Hello, thanks for listening to my first episode of At Age 35. I'm very excited because I would like to share with you one of my struggles since I was young is to speak a proper English. You probably find it surprising because yes, I'm speaking English right now and probably it's not too bad. But it is still one of the areas that I, I've been trying to improve throughout these years. And I would say that one of the things that has helped me tremendously is having a friend, a peer, or a colleague, or someone who is willing to show me, to correct me, or to help me review my writing, and uh, to let me know what are the few things that I should do better. So with that, I want to take this opportunity to thank all of my friends, my colleagues, my peers, or anyone around me who has been helping me out with my English. I hope that it's not too annoying, but I find it very helpful when you have a friend or someone to correct you. So with this, I also would like to encourage any one of you who are listening right now will be able to use anchor.com to leave me a message to share with me anything that I have probably pronounced wrongly or any grammar that I may have used incorrectly or I may sound annoying in my podcast. You are more than welcome to reach out and to share with me your inputs and comments and opinion. So with that, at age 35, I would like to share a few things that I do in order to improve my English, which is, yes, first, to have a friend or have someone to help me out and to correct me. The second thing is all about reading out loud. So in this episode, I would like to read to you one of the chapters that is from the recent book that I've read by Robert Iger, The Ride of a Lifetime. This book is about lessons learned from 15 years as CEO of the Walt Disney Company by Rob Iger. And today I would like to read one of the chapter, which is actually the last appendix chapter of this book. If you have the book, you're more than welcome to read it together with me. If not, then feel free to listen it and let's learn from this book. So with that, let's turn to page number 225, Lessons to Let By. At the end of this book on leadership, it struck me that it might be useful to collect all of these variations on the theme in one place. Some are concrete and prescriptive, some a bit more philosophical. When I read through these beats and pieces of collected wisdom, they are kind of mapped to the last 45 years. This is what I was taught every day by this person, and this is what I learned from that one. Here is the thing that I didn't understand then, but do now, that could only come with experience. My hope is that these ideas and the stories I have told throughout this book to try to give them some context and heft might feel relatable and map onto your experience too. They are the lessons that shape my professional life and I hope that they are useful for yours. Let's start with the first point. 
To tell great stories, you need great talent. Now more than ever, innovate or die. There can be no innovation if you operate out of fear of the new one. I talk a lot about the relentless pursuit of perfection. In practice, this can mean a lot of things, and it's hard to define. It's a mindset more than a specific set of rules. It's not about perfectionism at all costs. It's all about creating an environment in which people refuse to accept mediocrity. It's about pushing back against the urge to say that's good enough is good enough. Take responsibility when you screw up. In work, in life, you'll be more respected and trusted by the people around you if you own up to your own mistakes. It's impossible to avoid them, but it's possible to acknowledge them. Learn from them and set an example that it's okay to get things wrong sometimes. Be decent to people. Treat everyone with fairness and empathy. This doesn't mean that you lower your expectations or convey the message that mistakes don't matter. It means that you create an environment where people know you're hear them out, that you're emotionally consistent and fair-minded, and that there'll be given second chances for honest mistakes. Excellence and fairness don't have to be mutually exclusive. Strive for perfection, but always be aware of the pitfalls of caring only about the product and never the people. True integrity, a sense of knowing who you are and being guided by your own clear sense of right and wrong, is a kind of secret leadership weapon. If you trust your own instinct and treat people with respect, the company will come to represent the value you live by. Value ability more than experience and put people in roles that require more of them than they know they have in them. Ask the questions you need to ask and meet without apology what you don't understand and do the work to learn what you need to learn as quickly as you can. Managing creativity is an art, not a science. When giving notes, be mindful of how much of themselves to the person you're speaking to has poured into the project and how much is at stake for them. Don't start negatively and don't start small. People will often focus on little details as a way of making a lack of any clear, coherent bit thoughts. If you start petty, you seem petty. Of all the lessons I learned in my first year running primetime at ABC, the acceptance that creativity isn't a science was the most profound. I, beca- I became comfortable with failure, not with the lack of effort, 
but with the fact that if you want innovation, you need to grant permission to fail. Don't be in the business of playing it safe. Be in the business of creating possibilities for greatness. Don't let ambition get ahead of opportunities. By fixating on a future job or project, you become impatient with where you are. You don't tend enough to the responsibilities you do have, and so ambition can become counterproductive. It's important to know how to find a balance. Do the job you have well. Be patient. Look for opportunities to pitch in and expand and grow, and make yourself one of the people. True attitude and energy and focus, whom your bosses feel they have to turn to when an opportunity arises. With that, I'm gonna stop reading the book, and I hope that you enjoy listening. This is one of the many things that I do to help me improve my English speaking, and as you can tell, I still have rooms for improvement. There are times where I still choke with some words. One of the things that I did was repeating the sentences, and with this, I hope you enjoy listening. Feel free to share with me your voice message or your comments about my reading. And I hope this episode gives you an idea about. Do not worry too much about not having English as your first language, because it's definitely not my first language, and by reading out loud, it's definitely gonna be helpful. After reading out loud, I like to listen to the recorded session. Because it helps me to take note of two to three things that I could do better in my future reading out loud session. For example, any words, sentences, or pauses that I should have pay attention to. In addition, I also like to pick topics that I'm interested in to read out loud, because you do not want to pick topic that you're not interested in, boring, and it's gonna put you to sleep. Because after all, reading out loud is not just about reading it out loud; it's also about gaining knowledge when you read the topic. With this, yes, at age thirty-five, I still struggle with speaking a proper English. I hope that by sharing my voice, you know that you are not alone in this. If English is not your first language, and by listening to this episode today, we could all improve together. With that, thanks for listening.